Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello City fan, it's been a week in which football has understandably not been at the top of the agenda. Nonetheless, we move forward with Coppa Italia drama as Allegri revels in a 1-0 masterclass and the Milan side slog it out. We'll discuss that, the best of last weekend's action, and look forward to the weekend ahead in this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome to Scudetto. As with so many other joys that we take for granted, football obviously takes a backseat at times like these. It's been heartening to see Serie A, its players and fans, join in a show of solidarity for the people of Ukraine, as well as offering their support to Ukrainian players in the league. Nonetheless, as usual, we're here with you to discuss the past week in Italian football. So that's what we'll do as we continue to hope for the best possible outcome in Ukraine. Um, But before we do that, Boaz, you were preparing for the Tel Aviv half marathon last time we spoke. How did it go and how's your week been? Yeah, I have to say I uh, got a respectable one hour and 50 minutes and uh, I ran with a friend for the first eight kilometers and then as he started uh, waning, I kind of said ciao ciao to him and uh, started speeding up and I'm, (laughs) I'm quite pleased with that and Looking forward to do it. It's, uh, it's a good vibe, actually. Nice. That beer last week obviously did a trick. In your, and a couple of training. beers right after. Nice. And uh, do you have a beer for us just now? I'm drinking a Beaver Town Bloody L. In a completely uncoordinated move, I also am drinking Beaver Town Bloody L uh, on, on the other side of Europe from you, Boaz. It's funny because I, um, I I picked this out as a tribute to you and now you're, uh, you're it shows... <laughs> Good, good choice. Great minds. And uh, have you have you had it before? I think I had it uh, several years ago. So if I haven't had it in a while, and it's uh, it's a great beer. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Right. So let's let's get on to the football then. Um, I guess a good good place to start is uh, Coppa Italia. Probably, I think, starting with Vlaovic's return to Florence. Uh, Fiorentina losing one nil to Juve after largely dominating courtesy of a late and very unfortunate, as has to be said, own goal by, by Venuti. It was a very harsh result on, on the Viola. Uh, Italiano felt a bit exasperated by another late collapse uh, afterwards. Uh, but Juve just keep grinding out those results in, in the Coppa, in the league. Have, have we written Allegri's side off too early this season, Boaz? Never say never, although for them to win the Scudetto, there would need to be quite a calamitous uh, set of results particularly with uh, so many teams above them if you include Atalanta should they win their games in hand as I said everything is possible but I I really don't see the teams above them dropping that many points yeah I mean I think it's it's something that we've we've said before it's not being seven points behind one team is one thing but uh, being seven points behind three you're relying on 
all of those three teams. And I know Inter and Milan are making a, a, a good go of it just now to, to throw throw the league away. Hmm. But yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm in your camp. I still am pretty confident that it's uh, too far away. I'm kind of in Allegri's camp on, on this one. It would be a, a pretty spectacular achievement should they win it. And um, looking back at the result in the derby a, few, a couple of matches ago, maybe that's going to be their biggest regret considering mm. yeah yeah could well turn out to be uh but getting back to to this particular game what did you make of the reception that vlaovic got from the viola fans there was obviously some uh yes yeah, so some depressing and predictable uh, response but away from that there was the the, the display by the curva the dante's inferno the ten thousand whistles that were handed out before the game it's pretty hostile stuff first of all i i was Slightly tickled by the fact that um, the Firenze mayor, as well as uh, Rocco Comiso and, and the club as a whole, brought out a statement saying, "Please don't uh, don't uh, insult Vlaovic and definitely don't be racist." And this was this was praised by Italian media when when it should just be the the normal behavior, I think. But um, yeah. That being said, I think when it comes to stuff like the whistles and quoting Dante, I think that's where Italian fans are super creative. But when it um, boils over into racism, xenophobia, and, and uh, other nasty uh, incidents, then it goes, it's over the top. And I think it doesn't really paint uh, Italian football in a great light. But then again, it, this was always going to be a very uh, fiery affair. Yeah, yeah, it was a very fiery affair. Not, I mean, not just uh, with Vlaovic, but some tasty, tasty tackles going in uh, all, all over the place. And and I do think that it actually got to, to Vlaovic. I mean, he had a very, very quiet game. I, I think, I, well, obviously, Juve only had the, the famously had the one shot on target throughout the whole game, um, which no doubt delighted Allegri to, to win 1 0 with one shot on target. But aside from a chance that Vlaovic had uh, in, in the first half, I really can't remember him doing much. But um, yeah, from, from Fiorentina's point of view, obviously, it's a double blow because. The away goal rule obviously still exists in the in the Coppa Italia, despite having been uh, removed from just about every other footballing competition across Europe. Uh, I guess the question would be why? <laughs> why is this rule still there? Is this just to become yet another quirk in a slightly bizarrely structured tournament? So first of all, I wanted to touch upon what you just said about Vlaovic and just say that uh, maybe in tribute to his former fans, he decided to. Uh... To play, to have Juventus play with ten men for the whole of this game, <laughs> but uh, with regards to the Coppa Italia and specifically the away goal rule, it's uh, one of these crazy idiosyncratic moments where the whole world does something and Italy kind of catches on a little bit later. Uh, the Coppa Italia itself is a strange competition, even though I, I quite like it, but it is engineered so that the bigger clubs meet each other towards the end. TV ratings are showing that 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 is a good choice because. Uh, the, the competition is getting way more views than it has in the past. But that being said, the away goal rule, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm kind of a romantic, so I am still I still haven't got my head around the fact that it's gone. Uh, for example, in, in the Juve game away to Villarreal, I, I'm still, for me, that should be an advantage in a way. But it is strange, and we'll get onto it later. But Milan and Inter also are, play, are playing each other in the semi final. And of course, um, the away goal rule. Uh, being valid for that game in particular feels even more ridiculous. Yeah, 
Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, let's let's move on to that Milan Inter game then. We were all psyched up for it for it after what was a great game uh, just a few weeks back. Milan probably shaded this game certainly in terms of the the chances created, but ultimately it's a bit of a snooze fest, Boaz. So I think just to bookend the Fiorentina conversation and also to kind of show quite how boring this game was, collectively Juventus, Milan and Inter had less shots than Fiorentina had in in these two semifinals. So it shows how uneven the Juventus-Fiorentina semifinal is, but also shows what, as you just said, what a boring uh, derby this was. To be fair, uh, this was the first derby though where Milan maybe were the, the better team or... The more commanding team, let's say, in the previous derbies, mm. Milan uh, kind of took on a, a few punches and then uh, hit Inter on the break, particularly the the last one. So um, this was a kind of slight change in narrative, but it felt like both teams very much had their mindset on the, the league and maybe not getting injured, not not uh, running players uh, too ragged. From that perspective, I think uh, Pioli did a great job. He, he took uh, Leao off in the 70th minute and didn't feel like he was risking too much, and if anything, Milan had a pretty good penalty shot that wasn't given on uh, Giroud. Uh, so Milan can come home happy with that, knowing that the next game is away from home, bizarrely, and that even a 1-1 draw will see them through to the final. Yeah, and it's uh, a good 40, 40 days, I believe, after after this one. Yeah, this is, uh, again, going to the, the craziness of this competition. It, I don't really understand why it makes sense to have the two semis so far apart from each other and it means that yeah. people slightly lose uh interest in the competition or at the very least kind of lose focus and you know if a player is particularly hot right now or, or particularly not shooting on all cylinders then who knows what will happen in 40 days and it's something that maybe say i should look at the fijici yeah yeah and i mean this is th- this game was just kind of more evidence of uh, both both clubs kind of running out of steam at a crucial point of the season isn't it perhaps more more so inter than uh, than milan but yes definitely some a, a pattern emerging wouldn't you say yeah i mean if you discount the goal that lautaro scored in the super cup against juventus he has not scored in 12 matches so far 730 minutes uh so i think that that is ultimately where inter are lacking if you look at their Shots on target. I think in their last two league games, they took something like 50 shots and scored zero goals. But this is the fourth game in a row where they failed to get at least one goal. And that's kind of worrying for a team that uh, it, at some point it looked like they were going to run away with it. Yeah. Uh, right. So let's um, let's get to, to talking about the, the league then. And uh, let, let's talk about this weekend's biggest game, which is... Napoli against Milan, I think, undoubtedly. Napoli off the back of that great and dramatic late win against Lazio in Rome at the weekend. Spalletti implied in the post-match press conference that his team are proving all those who say they don't have character wrong. Uh, before we discuss the Milan game itself, was Napoli da Scudetto or, uh, or were Lazio unlucky, like Sarri claimed in the, the post-match press conference? I think maybe uh, Lazio were... A little bit narcissistic, let's say. They they saw themselves in the mirror. They thought, look how pretty we are. They passed the ball around really nicely. <laughs> they dominated play for a good chunk of the first half, but they didn't kill yeah. the game. And uh, ultimately, Napoli took the lead. And I think that their equalizer, which was very nice, but I think it was 
maybe slightly calamitous considering the run of play at the time and for them to then concede another goal in the 94th minute I, I think that not, it showed great character from Napoli as Paletti stressed but I think uh, maybe so a few questions should be asked of Lazio yeah and I think Sarri in particular the, the two things that bothered him were the you know going in nil nil at halftime because he said they were and I, I think probably fairly uh, that they were so dominant in in the first half, and then with the the equalizer late on, he was saying when the ball's out on the wing in the ninety fourth minute, you can't allow it to to go anywhere else. You just have to keep keep it out there. But Napoli definitely the the form team going into this weekend's game with Milan. We spoke before there about Milan and Inter kind of uh, struggling a bit. Um, it's obviously been played in Naples at the Diego Armando Maradona last week. We thought they might drop points and find themselves cut adrift. But Boaz, after this weekend, they could find themselves clear at the top. Yeah, I was one of the people who um, wrote Napoli off around October, November, particularly with uh, the African Cup of Nations in the calendar. But as it happened, Napoli kind of emerged from that period almost unscathed. And um, they've, they've put it in a good run of results. And I think a match like this one against Lazio where, you know, they were slightly under the cosh and then they came back out and ultimately won it in in such dramatic fashion. I think it does wonders for a team's morale and particularly at home, they, they're a big threat against Milan. And I have to remember that uh, Milan only have only won one of the last 14 matches uh, in Serie A against Napoli. So mm. I, I think in this circumstance, Napoli are probably slight favorites, although maybe Milan... Milan's um, gameplay is better suited to play against a team where they can play on the break and use uh, the speed of certain players. Yeah. I mean, lots of points dropped by by Milan. That's two games in a row with points dropped against teams well below them in the table. Do you think Milan will live to regret those drop points come the end of the season? I think you have to look at things in a greater perspective. First of all, Milan are the team who have got the fourth most points in since the in the Girone di Ritorno, since the the return mat, round of fixtures happened, whereas Napoli are the, t- the on top of that uh, table, so Milan are kind of the the project is a long term project, and I think the aim is definitely top four. And right now, it looks like it's uh, it should be a done deal. I'm touching wood, and in in Italian uh, parlance, also touching other areas, but. Uh, <laughs> But I think that uh, maybe, as you said, for the for specifically for the Scudetto this year, I think uh, the draws against uh, Spezia and Udinese this week, albeit through a slightly fortuitous fortuitous uh, handball goal, are a big dent in the in the title hopes. As are matches that happened uh, earlier in the season, uh, Salernitana, for example, but also Fiorentina away, which was four three. Um, so I think this season will be full of regrets, but. That being said, you know you, the it's a long season ahead, and the, there's other teams in front of you, and uh, obviously no one wants to lose. So the the run of results that uh, these teams up the top up top had been putting in was pretty remarkable. It's strange yeah, that it um, they're all they all kind of started dropping points at the same time, but it was kind of predictable that they would drop points at some point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were talking there about uh, kind of Milan's objective being the. Being the top four, so I mean, let's talk about the the race for for the top four and the other big big game this weekend has to be Roma Atalanta on Saturday evening. 
Roma not appealing Mourinho's two-game suspension, so he won't be in the dugout for this one. Um, but Atalanta were absolutely sensational against an admittedly awful Samp on, on Monday night. Their main problem has kind of since the turn of the year really has been consistency. Um, that victory in Greece last week, followed by the win over Samp, was their first consecutive back-to-back wins in, in over 50 days. Uh, so Boaz, they're going to need that consistency, aren't they, if they're going to pip you over to the Champions League spot? Um, first of all, you need to remember that uh, before the Atalanta-Roma game in the the first match between the two teams, uh, some people were talking about Atalanta as possible uh, title winners or title contenders. And uh, that kind of freak result against Roma was the beginning of a tough patch for Atalanta. Yeah. So I hope that will be fresh in the minds of uh, Gasparini's players who um, maybe they'll yeah. have a little bit more hunger in their belly. But that being said, uh, Mourinho's uh, Roma are also very hot and cold, and uh, you never know what you're going to get. They they come from a, quite a strange victory in with a very, very late penalty against Spezia after a moment yeah. that felt a bit like a WWE Royal Rumble in the area. <laughs> I, didn't, it, it was, yeah. I, I, I can't believe that happened on a football pitch, but it was great. And... Um, <laughs> But you can't really say that... It's incredible Roma... that the ball didn't go in, but, uh, you know, setting aside the, the penalty itself from that action. But sorry, go ahead, I interrupted you. So yeah, so a very late penalty, but uh, and a kind of a hard-fought game. And uh, you, I, I think that Atalanta are probably still favourites in my mind, but uh, Roma are tough, mm-hmm. tough cookie. And I'm kind of stealing uh, Milan Obsession's joke here, but... Um, Roma have decided not to appeal uh, Mourinho's ban, as you said, and that's possibly because uh, they they realize that with without him on the touchline, they're suddenly getting refereed decisions in their in their favor. <laughs> Could be something in that. Could be something in that. Um, yeah. So I mean, Roma again. You, you mentioned that they've come from that strange, uh, well, late late win against Spezia, uh, but that's again them relying on late late goals to get them out of jail. Uh, I think that's the third week in a row that that's happened. Uh, and as you also correctly mentioned, Atalanta, you would like to think would be out for revenge after that 4-1 defeat in Bergamo back in December. This kind of feels like a, a pivotal game, doesn't it? Definitely so, because as we mentioned earlier, Juventus have put on a, a decent set of results and are really putting the pressure on Atalanta, who still have games in hand. So they, they're still hypothetically could be fourth, but this would be a good uh, time to set down a marker and also, um, you know, start uh, churning points towards the end of the season to make it a miraculous fourth Champions League in a row. Yeah, yeah. What what an outcome that would be. Uh, <laughs> another game I know we're both looking forward to is uh, Fiorentina-Verona, which should be an absolute cracker between uh, Igor Tudor's men and Vinny Italian's boys. Uh, but that should pretty much wrap it up for the, the the kind of main talking points for this week. So The Scudetto curse will mean that that will be a nil-nil now. <laughs> yeah, undoubtedly. But let's let's move on. Let's move on to, to best of the rest. Um, so starting with those mounting rumours about Zaniolo preparing to, to, to go to Juve. He was left on the bench uh, in his hometown of La Spezia. And before the game... He liked multiple social media posts by by Juve players celebrating their victory over Empoli, which 
fueled speculation that he's kind of gearing up for that expected move. Uh, also does have to be pointed out that it's being reported that Roma are hoping to extend Zaniolo's contract, whether that's to extract maximum value from a move or not. I, I don't know. Uh, in other contract news, Gigi Buffon has renewed his contract until 2024, which will take him past his 46th birthday, incredibly. I think he's on, on the verge of three decades of uh of I remember his debut. There. Yeah, me too. I, rem- I was remember dr- driving back from an Atalanta game when uh, they were reporting on it. Um, but you, I believe, were actually at the stadium. I believe he did play before, but I saw him at a, as a very young man at San Siro in, uh, w- back when Milan were pretty invincible. Ah, okay, my mistake then. Right, and t- talking about San Siro, uh, slow progress towards a new stadium in Milan, uh, although it seems like... If you believe some people, Milan and Inter were looking at an alternative site last week, and now it's kind of being suggested by the various parties that 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 isn't the case, but definitely slow movement there. But uh, Fiorentina, on the other hand, will present plans for a reimagined Artemio Franchi on Monday. uh, And with support from the European Recovery Fund, that means that work would have to actually start uh, I believe in 2023 and be completed by 2026. So we might actually see an, a new stadium in the in Syria before the decade is is out. Syria has decided not to postpone match week 30 in order to give Mancini time to prepare for the World Cup playoffs, or rather, it would have been to give Mancini time to prepare for the World Cup playoffs. Um, and that means that there will actually be games on the 18th, the 19th, and the, the 20th of March. Uh, and just finally, after initially staying in Ukraine with his players, Desarbi and his coaching staff have now safely arrived back in Italy. Uh, and Desarbi gave a, a harrowing account of his passage out of Ukraine to Italian radio station Radio 105. Sadly, Shakhtar Donetsk have announced that uh, one of their youth coaches has been killed by by Russian shelling. So, obviously, very very sad news there. Uh, but Boaz, we, we'll do good week, bad week in a while. But that feels like a, an opportune moment for for you to take us into keeping up with the Italians. Give me that theme tune. Um, my good friend Wilfried Noto scored again and is now scored in consecutive games for FC. Zurich, meaning he's averaging a goal every 87 minutes. Um, he's an Azzurino, so one to keep an eye on. Allow me to take you to the second tier of Dutch football, where FC Volendam are currently leading the league, thanks in part to their number 10, Gaetano Cristiano, who looks like a really tidy player from YouTube clips. Fabio Borini continues his Indian summer in Turkey, or I guess that's a Turkish summer, but he scored again for Karamagurk in their win against Istanbul Basek Sharil. In Cyprus, uh, Apoel FC won their local derby, in part thanks to a penalty save from former football manager Wizkid Simone Scuffe. Inter youth product Maximiliano Uge lifted his first senior trophy with his club, FCI Livadia, uh, when they won the Estonian Super Cup. Over in Germany, Vincenzo Grifo opened the scoring for Freiburg in a 3-0 victory, and his penalty is keeping the club in Champions League contention. Gabriele Corbo made his debut for um, CF Montreal in MLS. And uh, after rehiring Gianluca Festa for a second time, Greek club Apollon Simonis and the Italian manager have parted ways for the second time this season. Uh, 
Andrea, I'm, I'm quite tickled by this because yeah. I mentioned. I think I've mentioned him four times in this segment. Just he's been hired. He's been fired. But uh, um, <laughs> over in Romania, Andrea Campagno continues his hot streak uh, for football club Universidad in 1948, scoring his fourth in five games. And uh, funny, I want to start the honorable mentions with an uh, honorable mention for Aurora Galli, who became the first Italian to score in the Barclays FA Women's Super League, giving Everton women the three points versus Aston Villa in the process. Yeah, we will. We will, Buzz, I assure you. Move on to honorable mentions next. But we, we, will come, we, we do have to come back to, to good week, bad week, just quickly. Good week this week. I mean, there's a few clubs that have had good weeks, really. Uh, Napoli, obviously, going top of the league. Juve with those back-to-back wins. Verona um, winning 3-1 and obviously celebrating their, their 40 points with the, the fourth official's uh, substitute board. Uh, and Atalanta as well with that uh, passage in Europe and then that absolutely dominant display against Samp. I think I, I, think I would be inclined to, to give it to Napoli, though. Uh, I mean, they, they really look like the, the form team at the moment. What would you say, Boaz? Who would your vote go to? I mean, perhaps a slight caveat to your Napoli nomination is the fact that uh, they were eliminated from the Europa League by Barcelona with a 4-2 loss at home. That's, which is that's a very sli- good point. Slightly <laughs> disheartening, considering um, the, the pretty good result they got away. That being said, that result probably gives them more time to concentrate on the league, and uh, that might be beneficial in the long term. But I do think that maybe going top does give them that little bit of extra je ne sais quoi, uh, you mm. did men- you mentioned Juve in that list. I think because of the nature of their victory against Fiorentina, or rather the fact that they didn't play at all, um, I <laughs> find it hard to give them uh, a good week. And um, I mean, Verona are always a nice, uh, nice team, nice reality in Italian football. But I think we've given it to them in the past. So for me, it's even Napoli or Atalanta, but with a special, uh, with more weight to Atalanta because they won two games this week. Okay, so you're saying Atalanta. I think on the on the basis of uh, Napoli being very very disappointing against Barca, I think I'm gonna change my mind and go with you, Buzz. So let's give it to Atalanta. Good week, Atalanta this week. Then I should have been a lawyer. <laughs> Good negotiations. <laughs> uh, right, bad week. I think there are two standout candidates this week. Venezia, obviously, very very disappointing result for them. And uh, well, I'm not sure if we can give Sampdoria bad week after. We've given Atalanta a good week, just because. But they they were awful. Um, I do still think I would give it to Sampdoria. I think it was just so so bad in that game. Um, who would your vote go to, Boaz? I think Sampdoria having a perfectly forgettable season, and you know they're winning a couple games here. Quadrilla scores a couple goals, and they get smashed four nil. It's just it doesn't seem like it's particularly great stuff, and yet they're, it looks like they're not in danger of going down. Maybe Venezia because. Um, the relegation zone is uh, uh, breathing down their necks, so to speak, and the recent run of Cagliari results have been great. Points. Yeah, Cagliari are definitely do- doing a good job, and could be even could have even even been a good child for good week retrospectively. Mm. So are you going for Venezia? I'll go for Venezia. I think they're they're starting to be in slight trouble. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, I'm I'm not going to change my vote, but I'll, I'll I'll I'm happy for you for your vote to, to hold more weight so let's give a bad week to, to Venezia then this week I'm, I'm happy to go any, any in any way because losing 4-0 is uh, a little bit disgraceful yeah okay well let's let's do good week Atalanta bad week Venezia then 
Okay. Okay, and with that, let's move on to the honorables and dishonorables. Well, you've already obviously given one to Aurora Galli, but I am going to start with a, a dishonorable for Jack Bonaventura for an idiotic red card against Sassuolo. Uh, I'm not even sure which Sassuolo player it was now because I was just focusing on how idiotic um, Bonaventura was for for such an experienced player who I'm a big fan of, might I add. But he just went kind of lunging into this tackle, which may or may not have been a yellow card, but the referee immediately whips out the yellow card and almost in a continuous movement after the tackle, Bonaventura just goes after it, after him and shouts in his face, Gets obviously gets a, a second yellow, a red card. Uh, and then, yeah, Fiorentina go on to, to lose the game. So... Dishonorable for for Jack Bonaventura for me, and of course Fiorentina have priors in this regard because you may remember Gomez earlier in the season was also he was booked and then he complained and complained and won himself a second yellow. Yeah, I think I think he got won himself a dishonorable for that as well. Yeah, so he, yeah. that's their way to get into this uh, segment. <laughs> right. Okay, Buzz. Moving on, you have got an honorable. For Simeone. Yeah, um, thanks to his hat-trick versus Venezia, Cholito is now the top-scoring Argentinian in Europe. So uh, that's a big achievement considering there's some big names out there. Nice. Yeah, and he hadn't scored in two months, I believe, before. Yeah, he goes in streaks. Because you remember he scored scored four in one game, then he didn't score for a couple. But he's having a spectacular season, as are Verona as a whole. Yeah. A very well-deserved honourable mention. Uh, right, I'm going to do my goals honourable just now. And uh, this was actually quite quite a good week for goals. Um, in particular, that Lazio-Napoli uh, game was a, a great contributor with uh, Insigne, Fabian Ruiz and Pedro all having very decent shouts. Uh, another couple of shouts for, for this honourable would be Hamad Traore, uh, and Vlaovic, uh, all of those I'm giving close runners up. For me, the honorable mention for for goals this week is going to to Miranchuk, uh, Atalanta's Miranchuk for the the final goal in that four nil demolition of Sampdoria. A wonderful individual effort, uh, and, and when you see it from the I think the second angle that I saw it from, you can just see like how his balance shifts from side to side and how the defenders have absolutely no idea where he's going. Uh, really great goal, but the the reason I'm giving it to, to Miranchuk is because he's had that well, very publicly difficult week. The the situation in the Atalanta changing room with uh, Malinovsky and Miranchuk are apparently incredibly close friends and sharing um yeah sharing a a hug in in the changing room and i think it was Pessina was describing how you know they're just two guys who, who get on and th- that was a display of uh, the sort of the beauty that football can can bring where uh, humanity can so often be uh, so grim and he was obviously you could see his celebration he, re- he barely celebrated he almost held his hands up in apology something which obviously he as a young guy playing football has absolutely no responsibility for so i thought it was really nice and really nice to see the atalanta players go and kind of 
circle around him and show him their support. So, uh, yeah, goals honourable for Miranchuk this week for me. Uh, Boaz, you have got an honourable for Walter Mazzari. Unbelievable. Write this date down. I'm giving an honourable to Walter Mazzari. Um, <laughs> this is kind of because we omitted Cagliari from the good week contention. I have to uh, mention Walter Mazzari, who since he took over Cagliari has been putting in an incredible shift. Uh, you have to consider that Cagliari only got 10 points from their first 19 games this season. And uh, under Mazzari in eight matches, they've already got 15 points. So uh, a great run and a team that's kind of refound spirit. And we've always said that there's some really good players in that team. So um, to see them so so low in the table is a little bit shocking, but it's probably down to successive uh, wrong managerial appointments. Yeah, yeah. I um, should say that when he was... A, when he was at Inter, Mazzari uh, blamed the rain notoriously for a lot. <laughs> and um, I believe the temperatures and the weather in general is much better in Cagliari. So maybe maybe his <laughs> football is expressing itself better now. Maybe the ridicule was misplaced. Um, right, I'm giving an honourable mention to Spezia goalkeeper Provedel for his performance against Roma. Uh, really, really unfair on him, I think. The Roma ended up running out winners courtesy of that very late 98th minute uh, penalty or, or whatever it was because he was absolutely sensational in that. <laughs> yeah, but the, the 98th minute Royal Rumble. Uh, but he was absolutely sensational in, in that game and made some incredible stops and really did not deserve to, to come out on the, the losing side. So honorable me- mention for Provedel for me. Uh, Buzz, you have got an honourable of sorts for Frank Ribéry. Yeah, Frank Ribéry was involved in a car crash just outside of Salerno and um, he was taken to A&E with concussion and it has to be said he wasn't uh, driving the car but they, they hit a lamppost or something so um, he, he's probably going to miss the game against Inter and, but we obviously wish him all the best and a quick recovery. Yeah, and sticking with that uh, theme of Salerno, Salernitana. Uh, I'm going to give an honourable mention to Salernitana and Genoa, who both look somewhat doomed, but have picked up some really big results over the last couple of weeks against the big guns. Uh, so yeah, if they're if they're going down, they're they're going down fighting, and uh, I think it's great to see that. And that goes against the the narrative of Serie A, where the the teams at the bottom give up and throw away points and let let the top teams win. Uh, I think there's yeah. uh, some real hunger throughout the league right now, which is it's great for the neutral. Although it's less good if you're a Milan fan and uh, uh, <laughs> bloody Salernitana and Udinese take points <laughs> off you. Yep, absolutely. Right, just to finish us off, Boaz, you have got a dishonorable for Felix Afenagian. We've often given um, Mourinho stick for his uh, tough management. And I think we've been right on most occasions. But in this case, um, I, I, I definitely back the special one. In any case, uh, Felix Afinagian, who is a player who Mourinho has kind of given a chance this season and has uh, played in some big games, uh, was caught in, out in a nightclub uh, over the weekend. And he, he is injured, so in, in theory, he's, um, it's not like he's, he's doing something that's going to affect the way he's going to play. But that being said, with uh, Roma going through their own little injury crisis, and uh, with, uh, I think there's, they have also a slight uh, COVID problem in the in the team. This wasn't his, the the kid's best decision, and as a result, Mourinho sent him to the Primavera. Mm. 
I was I was waiting for a naughty naughty to, to come out. Naughty naughty. <laughs> there you go. Right, that appears to be all we have time for. Did we did, did we want to give? Well, we discussed earlier whether we were going to give Coop Miners an honourable mention for getting a couple of goals on his on his birthday, and uh, has to be said, a fantastic performance, uh, incredible signing he's been for, for Atlanta. Are we going to give him an honourable buzz? Definitely, let's give him an honorable. Also, because the guy looks like he's aged about seventeen years since he signed <laughs> for Atalanta. I mean, he's doing a Aryan Robin. Uh, he, I don't know what's going on, but I, I saw a picture of him and I, I really did a double take. I was like, okay, he's twenty four, but he looks like he's a lot older than that. In any case, to score on your birthday is great. To score two on your birthday is even better. So, uh, good on him. Yeah, it must be that Gasperini is working him hard, but it must be. Must be what it is. Just trying to understand what Gasparini is shouting on the touchline will give you stress. <laughs> right. Okay. That is all we've got time for this week. As ever, please do subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your audio. Uh, we will be back next week. Until then, enjoy the football. <laughs> La Roma è campione d'Italia per la stagione 2000-2001. Il titolo del 2008, l'Inter è campione d'Italia, sedicesimo scudetto della squadra nella Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.